0: Good, good morning. Great to see you in the house today. I want to reiterate something that Joe and Abby just said in that video. Next weekend's going to be a blast. I don't know if you're aware of this. Easter is like a day and a half from now. It is just around the corner. So next weekend, we're kicking off our Easter push. We're excited about that. And we're going to be wrapping up this series, The God of Finance, With our special guest Joe Sangle, Joe's going to be in the service. But the big one that I want you to make sure you're a part of is his financial learning experience on Sunday evening at five o'clock. You can go to our website, sign up for it. We will have free childcare. It'll be an incredible, incredible opportunity to take what we've been doing over the last few weeks as a church family and actually get really, really tactical and practical about it. This is kind of boots-on-the-ground stuff. So you'll want to be a part of this. It is an amazing, amazing opportunity that we're excited about and look forward to seeing you here next Sunday in the service and for the class at 5 o'clock. Now, I don't care where you are or who you are. Everybody. Say everybody. Everybody, everybody has to figure out money. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that means you. Now, I want to begin today by asking you the following question. How many of us, if I said the following two words together, would know what I'm talking about just by a show of hands? If I say the words Fairly Dickinson, how many of us know what Fairly Dickinson is? Okay, how many of you before this week? Knew what Fairly Dickinson was? Please raise your hands. Okay, that's that's good. That's interesting. Fairley Dickinson is now the poster child for March Madness. Fairly Dickinson is a college in New Jersey that about four people have ever heard of. This weekend, they went into the NCAA March Madness Tournament as a 16 seed, bottom of the barrel. They didn't even win their little New Jersey conference up north, and they knocked off a number one seed, Purdue Boilermaker. Purdue, number one out of the Big Ten, the baddest of the bad, Goliath has fallen. Now, Fairleigh Dickinson... It's just a university. It was started right around the time of World War II. It hadn't even been around very often. They've got 11,000 students. Purdue has 41,000. Fairleigh Dickinson's endowment is $82 million, which 82 million is 82 million, but as universities go, it ain't a big place. And they absolutely slew Goliath this week in the NCAA tournament. We call this, of course, March, March Madness. We get consumed by it. We get obsessed with it. Economists estimate this year our economy will take a $17 billion hit in worker productivity losses because of the NCAA tournament. Now listen, I'm a basketball guy. I love basketball. I ain't leaving 17 bill on the table for it. 17 billion billion dollars. That is, that's not just March Madness, that is some money madness. How many of us have ever experienced some money madness? Can I just see a show of hands if you've ever been there or feel like sharing with the room? Thank you. For those of you who raised your hands and for those of you who not, we have a Liars Workshop that will be offered next week. We've all been there. Money madness is one of those things that can creep into our lives a lot more regularly and frequently And sometimes with more devastating effects than even March madness. I have been there. The worst piece of mail that I ever got. I was in college and I got an envelope addressed to Thomas M. Richard. And it said the following, Visa believes in your future. I thought, man, that is so sweet of them. They had given me a card. Apparently they bought a mailing list from the University of Texas where I had just enrolled as a freshman. And... They sent me a card that had my name on it. It, was, it wasn't just like a, a white credit card like they had back in the day. No, 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 no. This one was platinum colored because I was special. What I found out was that it wasn't so much that Visa believed in my future as they wanted to own my future how many of you have ever had a little bit of your future taken away by a credit card company, if I could just see a show? Listen, you're not alone. Thank you for your honesty. It's, it's, it's one of those things. Now, that may not have been your money madness. You, you may have had a different kind of money madness where maybe you are, maybe you're one of the savers amongst us. You're, you're one of those folks that, you know, you, you put everything away, you have the first dollar you've ever earned, and you very quietly think yourself superior to the rest of us you still can fall prey to money madness. It's something that all of us everywhere have to fight. Money's just a part of life. There's there's nobody anywhere, ever since we figured out the wheel and fire, we've been dealing with money in one way, shape, or form, or another Today, as we continue this series, The God of Finance, I want to talk about the greatest single antidote to money madness, the the thing that will help keep money madness in its place and away from our lives. We're living in crazy, crazy times, banks failing, banks in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, those are the smartest people in the world, aren't they? I mean, except they live in California, but my point is, you would think if a bank is ever, I mean, Silicon Valley, the name, Silicon Valley Bank. But the good news is, the rest of us get to save them. The rest of us, we're going to pitch in and help them out. I wondered this morning, how many of us in the last month have experienced personal or professional monetary stress. If you've had a moment or three where you were just like worried about things financially, worried about where things are going broadly, economically, or maybe personally in your own economic ecosystem. Today we're gonna talk about one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us to help combat that kind of stress, to help keep that money madness at bay. I am so excited about this sermon. Today, we're going to talk about the tithe. We're talking about the tithe. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm excited. I am excited. You know, I've I've told you all this before. Early in my ministry, I used to be a little reticent to talk about tithing and giving, and I didn't want to, you know, people get funny when you talk about money, and I get that. I understand that. That's true. In my household, that's true in my life. That's true in the church. That's true in the world. It doesn't matter where you go or who you are. We, we all get a little bit funny if somebody starts to talk about my money. But the tithe is a gift from God. It is something that he calls on Christ followers to do. And, yes, it's a command. But remember, because of the character of God, remember, God is love, right? Thank you. Three of you believe that. God is love, so even his commands are an expression of his character. He, he gives us his commands not only for his glory, but also for our good. And the tithe is one of those things. Now, if you're not a Christ follower yet, first of all, we're thrilled that you're here, and you can just kind of take today's message and and use it as, as part of your your learning about what it means to be a Christian. This is not something that's required of you. You can sock it away for future reference if you so wish, but it is something for those of us who go by the name of Christian, who are Christ followers. This is something that God has given to us as a gift in the form of a command. Now, it's funny because The tithe is one of those things that is laced throughout the Bible. From from Genesis with Abraham, who lived about 1,800 years before Christ, all the way through the Mosaic Law and Moses and Aaron, Deuteronomy, into the New Testament, Jesus in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, Jesus endorses the tithe. It is there from Genesis to maps. And yet a lot of us don't really understand what the tithe is means or what it is. I got a phone call about, this was probably 20 years ago, a guy that used to go to our church, a really good friend of mine, he said, Mac, I I wanted to talk to you real quick. I wanted you to know something. This month, before you look and before you check, this month, my tithe, I'm going to use that to buy some equipment for my son's baseball team. I'm like, great, knock yourself out. But there were three problems with this statement in this conversation. Number one, the first problem was that he thought I was checking up on anybody's tithe, I don't do that. That's not how I roll. That's not what we do as a church. We teach the biblical principle and the practice of the tithe, but after that, it's up to you. It's between you and God, like it's between God and Julie and me. So that was number one. Number two, he was gonna spend, I don't know, a, a couple, few hundred dollars on some baseball equipment, which is great, by the way. That's great. But I happen to know this guy, he, he was very successful. That money wasn't coming close. To a tithe Number three, number three, giving money to a charity or to a nonprofit or to help a baseball team, that's not a tithe. That's charitable giving, that's fine, and it's good, and we support that and, and embrace it. But that's not a tithe. When we talk about a tithe, as I said, it's listed throughout the Bible, but in Malachi chapter three. God puts a very, very fine point on what the tithe is, but not only not only what the tithe is, but the purpose behind the tithe. If you've got your Bibles, how many of y'all read the Bible on a phone or an iPad? Let me just see a show of hands. I do that. Can I give, can I give you a little tip, just a hint? This is something I started doing, I don't know, in the last few years. Every morning, I open up my iPad to the Bible before I look at an email, before I look at Instabook or the Tweeter or Snap Talk or any of that other stuff, I look at Scripture as the first thing, the first thing that I'm going to put into my brain, first thing I'm going to put into my life every day is the Word of God. I cannot tell you the difference that it makes. I don't even look at email until I've read the Bible. I would just encourage you to do that because I love you and I feel like it's a good idea, but it's, it's been a huge help to me. Malachi 3, I'm reading from my iPad, but it's still the Word of God. Actually, you know what? I'm going to read it from the screen. I'm going to read it from the screen. Malachi chapter three. The Bible says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty. That's the tithe. Now, the word tithe is a very simple word. In the original form, it was a noun. Tithe just means one-tenth. One-tenth. Ten percent is a tithe. Now, we use it as a verb also. When I bring the whole tithe, then I am tithing. But ultimately, it's an expression of worship to God. We bring the whole tithe tithe to the storehouse, the whole tithe. Now, I want to share some numbers with you that I think are fascinating. And before I share the numbers with you, I want you to know, I'm going to read these numbers to you, these statistics, as an encouragement to you. It's not going to land like an encouragement, but trust me, this is an encouragement, okay? Check this out. 21% of Christ followers actually tithe, 21%. 21%. For families who are making over $75,000, one of them gave at least 10% in tithing. 1% if you make over 75000 The average giving by adults who attend U.S. Protestant churches is about $17 a week. People who make $20,000 a year are eight times more likely to give than someone making an annual income of $75,000. Isn't that interesting? 37% of regular church attenders don't give money to their church. Since 1990, religious giving has fallen 50%. Have a great day. Thanks for coming. Now here's why I think this is, ought to be an encouragement to us. I don't think it's because we're stingy. As a general rule, I don't think it's because we're stingy. I don't think it's because we don't love the Lord or because we don't love his church. I think the vast majority of us don't tithe because we don't know. We're not teaching, we're not explaining what is the tithe, how do we tithe, and why do we tithe. Today, I'm gonna do my part to make sure that none of us can walk out of here ignorant. Now, ignorant is not bad. Ignorant is not bad. Ignorant just means uninformed. Now, if you call somebody an ignoramus, that's not very pleasant, but it really just means uninformed. I love, here's what, here's what I've learned about when we teach and preach the tithe. A few things happen. Number one, a lot of people get encouraged because a lot of you are tithing. I don't know what the number is. I don't know what the perce- I know what the number is, but I don't know the percentage. But a lot of you are doing it. When we talk about tithing, you feel encouraged. You feel affirmed, and you're like, "Yeah, talk about it, preach it." The second things that happen is a lot of people who are not yet Christians. They're like, "Okay, that's for them, not for me." They they don't get offended by that. But w- another thing that does happen is some Christians get offended by teaching and preaching about the tithe because they're not they're not tithing. Those people ought to be offended. Those people ought to take it personally and listen to the word of God. I don't preach this sermon in order to offend, but if you're a Christ follower who has refused to tithe so far, my prayer is that you open up your mind and your heart to what God wants to do. What does he say? Bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole ten tithe. Percent, so that my house will be full. Where you worship is where you tithe. You can do other things. You can buy equipment for a baseball team. You can give to this charity, that charity, nonprofit. But the tithe goes to where you worship, biblically. That's, that's what Scripture says. And I love that God says, test me in this. Turn to your neighbor with a smile on your face and a smile in your heart. Tell him, test him. Test him. God says, if you don't believe me, try it out. Just, just give it a shot and watch if he won't bless you in ways, that, in, in so many ways you can't even contain all of the blessings. Now, let me rush to say this. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not, if you give this, then God will give you 10X. That's not biblical. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Any questions? Don't buy that. If somebody ever tries to feed you that, run from them. God, God has so many tools at his disposal for blessing us that make money look silly. Now, I know some of us are thinking, I'll take the silly blessing, but whatever it might be, God will bless that in your life. He will bless that in my life. There are three things that happen when we tithe, three things that we are doing when we tithe. Number one We engage in the experience of worship. We're engaging in the experience of worship. When you bring the whole tithe, you're worshiping God. God, you are my provider. God, everything I have is yours. God, you are God, I am not. Even where my money is involved. Deuteronomy chapter eight. Deuteronomy is part of the Mosaic law, the first five chapters of the Bible where God is explaining to his chosen people, Israel, this is how you live in covenant relationship with a holy and perfect God. He says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Some translations will say, gives you the ability to gain wealth in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. God gives you the ability to earn so that through what you earn, he will confirm the covenant, the covenant that he initiated with Israel and then brought to complete fruition in the person of Christ. We worship God when we're tithing. Now, Julie and I, like a lot of you, we give electronically. We, we talk about our income, and we, we make a commitment, and we tithe regularly electronically, but we have prayed about that. We've thought about that. We know that that first 10%, that goes to the work of God. That is worship of him. Number two, the tithe helps us to settle the issue of ownership. The tithe helps us to settle the issue of ownership. Psalm 24, one. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Elsewhere in the book of Psalms, God says, if I were hungry, I don't need to tell you about it. I God says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And by the way, the hills upon which they graze too. He he doesn't need your money or my money. This, This is us settling the issue of ownership. Everything belongs to God. Every dime that I have, every dime that you have. This sweater belongs to God. Even though it's maroon Aggie, maroon colored. It's... Listen, we're in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Everything is God's. When we tithe, we are settling the issue of ownership. We bring God's tithe. I'm not giving max money. You're not give, we are bringing 10% of God's stuff, settling the issue of ownership. And then number three, <clears throat> Tithing helps us commit to the practice of stewardship. It helps us commit to the practice of stewardship. When you say, I'm going to give the first 10%, then that helps you to pay attention to the other 90%. (laughs) You kind of start going, oh, here's what God's entrusted me to live on, so I'm going to use that. But it starts by identifying what is 100, here's 10 Now, people will say this, and I love this conversation. I've been through this myself. Do we tithe on the gross or the net? That's a good question. And I'll just tell you, the Bible does not have a clear-cut answer on that, but I will tell you this. The government, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, unto God what is God's. Jesus said that. The government gets their cut of the gross. If the government gets their cut of the gross, I think God should too. That's... And by the way, God says, test me in this. Do you want the net blessing or the gross blessing? <laughs> that's, that's really another very valid way to look at it. But tithing helps us commit to the practice of stewardship. Jesus said in Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus is saying how you handle your stuff, how I handle my stuff, will determine how much God really entrusts to us of the stuff that really matters, the the most important stuff, the the soul-deep stuff, something as mundane as money That's that's just for openers. That's just where it starts. Now, I'm going to give you a gift. I want to give you a list of eight reasons not to tithe. I know you didn't expect that, did you? Eight reasons not to tithe. Why not tithe? Number one, I've already alluded to it, if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you can file this away for future reference. But if you are a believer, the tithe is for you and for me. Again, Jesus endorsed it in Matthew 23, 23. God talks about it throughout the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. But if you're not a Christian, don't worry about it. Second reason not to tithe. There's no income. If you don't have anything coming in, 10% of zero is what? Zero. You're off the hook. Now, you better figure something out in a hurry, but... No income is a valid reason. Number three, didn't know about it. If you didn't know about the tithe, if you'd never had it explained to you, if you'd never learned about it, then you're not held responsible for that. Number four, these are the things we say to ourselves. Some people will say, I don't make enough. I I just don't make enough money to tithe. 10% of what I'm, and I get it. When Julie and I got married, we made the commitment to tithe. We were actually tithing before we got married. When we got married, I was a part-time student pastor in seminary. Julie was student teaching. She was technically still in college. For which, by the way, nobody pays you. So we were bringing home together as a couple $750 a month pre-tax. I was a catch. <laughs> that That's... That's what you're looking for. But we made the commitment that we would tithe, even on that $750 a month, and we did. On the gross, $75. That's something we have stuck with throughout our marriage, in the entirety of our home. Now, we didn't eat a lot of steak, but we never went hungry. Not one time did we not have our needs met, sometimes supernaturally. Supernaturally. I don't make enough number five now this one nobody says out loud, but some people do think this one I make too much. some people will think, i uh, you don't that ten percent of that bro, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying that's a big number for some people and and I do understand that as the numbers grow as you mature in your career professionally as God blesses you sometimes. You do, <laughs> It can get to be up there sometimes. But if you'll notice in Malachi 3, there's there's no qualifier. You tithe, bring the whole tithe until you make X number of dollars. Six, some people will think this, ah, they don't really need it. I go to church. You know, I throw 20 or 50 bucks in the plate. Lights are on. Kids are happy. Man, you keep having carnivals out here. They don't really need it. Now, I'm not saying for all of you, but for some of you, that was the laugh of recognition. <laughs> and yeah, we do keep having carnivals out here. We're, we, we, will, we will invest God's money to reach people for the kingdom of God. So they don't need it. Some people think that. Number seven, pseudo theology. Pseudo theology. Here's, here's this one. I've had people come to me very, very earnestly and say, Pastor. The tithe is an Old Testament principle. Malachi 3 is in the Old Testament. I go, I know, I went to seminary. <laughs> so, therefore, we are now under grace. We are not under the law anymore. And the law is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. I go, I, I got you. Here's the problem with that. We are under grace after Christ's resurrection, period, hard stop. Can you think of anything that grace minimizes out of the Old Testament? Can you think of anything that grace would cause us to shrink back from rather than lean into? If anything, grace expands our capacity for generosity. Grace expands what the law was just trying to do, pointing to Christ and the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. So, and and again, I want to say this because I've heard this so many times. Yes, the tithe as a term is Old Testament, but if you go back to the Old Testament, Israel if you look at all of the offerings that God commanded and called them to give over the course of a year, it wasn't just 10%, it was about 23% of their income was to be devoted to the purposes of God. And grace just expands that. So that, that pseudo-theology thing, just it just doesn't really, it doesn't, doesn't hold any water, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry, I don't mean to be sarcastic. I love you. Number eight, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but number eight is just apathy. Some people are just like, yeah, I don't feel like it. That's no big deal. That's, that's not important. Now, here's what I want to do on this list of one through eight. I want you to go back to numbers three and four, and between number three and four, draw a dotted line. Just draw a line between number three and number four. That line is the line of Legitimacy. Everything above the line, that's a legitimate reason to not give. If you're not a Christian, if you're no income, or you don't know about it, well, you can take number three off the list because now you know. Tell your neighbor, congratulations. Those are legitimate reasons not to give. Four through eight are illegitimate for a follower of Christ. Not one of those is supported biblically. Now, Why do I tithe? Why why should I embrace this calling from God? Number one, I need God's blessing and protection. I need God's blessing and protection. What did he say back there in Malachi? He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. Most of us don't have a lot of crops or fruit, I know some of us are kind of homesteaders. That's cool. But what God is saying is there is a spiritual protection that he will bring to our material possessions when we tithe. I need that blessing. I need that protection. We live in a very, 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 very fallen, uncertain world. But when we tithe, we partner with God and God brings his blessing and protection. Number two, when we tithe, it reveals God's character through us. Tithing reveals the character of God. It's, it's trusting God, but it's, it's revealing his character. It's, it's the, the generosity of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave the best. Jesus is the first fruits of God. He gave his son. Whatever you want to believe about God, you can believe that he is love and he is generous. Tithing Reveals that character. Number three, I need the discipline that tithing requires. I do. I do. I need, when, when you get serious about tithing and you say, okay, what has God entrusted to us, to me? I'm going to take 10% of that and give it to him in the work of his church. So that's, that's the tithe. But it also helps me to pay attention to the other 90%. That discipline helps In every way, it brings structure, it brings order to an area. Most of us, our financial plan, most of us, our financial plan is, I'm gonna make more. I just, I need more. As opposed to, this is what God has given me, I am grateful, and I will show my gratitude, I will reveal God's character, but I'm also gonna be disciplined and structured with what I have. Number four, I love feeding the fire, the LHC vision. Whenever Julie and I tithe, whether it's on our regular income or maybe a, a windfall or uh, this week, we got money back from our insurance company. I got a check from Safeco Insurance for $172 because we haven't had a wreck in a long time. Praise the Lord. That, that's money that came into our house. So $17.20 is going to come to this house. I love writing that check for 1720. That's fun. To grow the community of Christ one life at a time, I want to feed that fire. That gets me excited. And I don't think that's just because I'm the pastor. That's something that's fun to be a part of. Number five, I love being a part of something bigger than me. I know when Julie and I tithe, I'm partnering with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you. And together we're doing more together than we can do individually and apart, particularly in the purposes of God's church. Next, I also want my kids to live in financial freedom. I want my kids, now, our kids are grown-ups. I, I want them living in financial independence. I want them buying their own food, paying their own rent, moved out of my house, which, by the grace of God, they've done. It's a great thing. But when they were younger, we, we taught Emily and Joe tithe, Bring the whole tithe. This is something that will help you. I want you to experience that freedom and that peace that mom and I experience. Number seven, this one is not really spiritual. This is, I'm just going to tell you, this is not, some of you are going to be disappointed in this one, but this, this is just truth. Part of the reason that I tithe is I like myself better when I give. I do. I like myself better when I'm generous, when I give, when I do what God asked me to do. I like Mac better. I do. Think about somebody that you've given something to recently, whatever it may be. Isn't it, isn't it fun just to, to give them something? And watch them go, whoa, thank you. That's awesome. You kind of walk away from that going, that's not bad in and of itself. Now, if you, if you brag about it to a lot of people, that's bad, which I'm not doing. I'm just saying I do, I like myself better when I give. And then the eighth reason that I tithe, and this is really, this is really the bottom line. Trust. I trust God with the tithe. When I I bring the tithe, what I'm saying is God, I'm trusting you to take care of me in every way. And in a relationship with God, trust is very, very closely linked to obedience. Obedience. That's, that's God's love language. You see, when I obey God, when I do what He says to do biblically, when I don't do what He says don't do, what I'm saying is, God, I trust you more than I trust me. I trust you more than I trust the world, this culture. People around, I trust you, and because I trust you, I will obey you. I will do what you tell me to do. And, and there will be some times, as a follower of Christ, when you don't completely understand the why until you obey. But once you obey, God will reveal the why. It, it, it happens over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again. You see, ultimately, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Have you ever heard somebody on TV, maybe a celebrity or an athlete, say it's not about the money? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever, you know something I've noticed? This is just an observation of mine. The people who say it's not about the money are loaded. (laughs) They are. Normal people, it's always a little bit about the money. I mean, we got to think about it. It's only if you're making like, you know, like Aaron Rodgers money, you know, The Rock money, that it's not about the money. It's about the art. It's it's about the craft of playing football. Well, yeah, it's about the craft. You got 350 in the bank. But check this out. God really can say it's not about the money. (laughs) Because God owns it all. He, He is God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so when God says, it's ultimately not about the money, it's about the heart behind the money. You can believe him. You can believe him. In Acts chapter 10, the Bible says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel that you and I are an extension of spiritually. This is the message of good news that there is peace with God Through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, Lord of all. Is he? Is he Lord of all? I mean, really and truly Lord, director, king of kings, Lord of lords of all. The thing about this Christian life is it's, it's a life of surrender. It's a life of surrender. Surrender to the only one who will never take advantage of your surrender. Surrender to the only one who can make something beautiful of your surrender. Because he surrendered all. He gave his life To give you life. To give me eternal life. He laid down his life and then he picked it back up again on the third day. To be Lord of all. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. I know... That's a fairly quick pivot from talking about mundane money to significant surrender. But the thing about surrender to Christ is that every part of our lives that we surrender to him, every part gets better. Every part is richer and fuller and flourishes more. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to the one who surrendered his life for you, we want to give you the opportunity to do that, to pray silently right where you are, just to begin a relationship with God. Pray something like this in your own words, silently just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And so I confess my sin to you. I ask you to flush it out of my life, to forgive me so that I can take hold of your grace and truth. And Lord, I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. I ask you, I invite you, Jesus, to be My Lord of all. And I pray this prayer in your name. If you would just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If that was your prayer, this is the biggest moment of your life. In just a minute, we'll explain kind of how we would love to help with the moments that follow because this is just the beginning. But before that, if if that was your prayer and you meant it for the first time, would you just raise your hand? Just quietly but unmistakably. Ra- raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for just a moment as a statement physically, of that commitment spiritually that you just made. And know as a family of faith with you, we honor that and celebrate it with you. And our family tradition around here is you put your hands down as we're going to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home. One